Say a big, 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 big amen. 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 I like it. I like it. Oh, yeah. Let's go now. I love it. Well, let's all stand. I want us to open the service in prayer. How we need the Lord to pass by our way and do a great work in all of our hearts this morning. How many of you that are here today need something for God to do for you personally? I, all of us do. And if you don't know that you do, you're in trouble already. Amen. I'm going to ask Brother Samuel Wood to come by and pray for us. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this day that you've given us today, Lord. Thank you for this opportunity that you've given us to be able to meet in your house today. Uh, pray that you would, um, I pray that you just uh, move here today as you see fit, Lord. I pray that you would, if it be your will, then if anybody here is lost, Lord, that you convict them and that they'd get saved today, Lord. I pray that uh, you'd just show up and show out and uh, bless us all. I pray that you'd help us all be attentive and take us what we uh, hear today. Take what we hear today, Lord, with us and apply it to our lives. In your son's name I pray. Amen. All right. Remain standing page number 92. Ninety-four, remain standing. Oh, wow. 
Seated, pray for the choir. We pulled out a few old ones this morning.
any tithes and offerings, you can bring them at this time. our visitors. Thank y'all for coming to Murrayville Baptist Church. Pray that you get a blessing while you're here and get something from Jesus while you're here. Let me make some quick announcements and we'll get on with our service. This afternoon at five o'clock is our Christmas, our, our whole church Christmas party where we'll get together and just fellowship together and just enjoy each other and the blessings of the Lord. Uh, they've asked you, that'll be at 5 o'clock in the fellowship hall. Uh, they've asked for you to bring an appetizer, a dessert, a white elephant gift, 
and wear Christmas attire. It's going to be interesting, ain't it? Amen. Appetizer. Inch thick. T-bone. Amen. Uh, child care is provided during this time if you need it. And it says bring a $5 gift for gift exchange for the kids. So that's this afternoon at 5 o'clock. Also, on December the 18th will be our children's uh, Christmas play. And so we want you to be in prayer about that and planning on attending. Invite your relatives, your loved ones to come and be a part of that. Uh, Sister, uh, yeah, that girl over there. Sister Janet, I was looking straight at her and couldn't remember her name. Sister Janet and the kids have been working hard to put this on, so you uh, plan on being with us at that time. Also, this after, right after the service today, there will be no children's practice. praises of the glory of Jehovah. Paul preached all his loss in knowing Christ. John said he is precious while leaning on his bosom. So for a moment may I humbly testify. Let's all stand. I want to do something a little special this morning. <clears throat> Sister Megan's mother, Lori Anderson, had an accident this past week. What day was that on, Brother Chris? Friday. Had an accident on a four-wheeler this Friday, and uh, she was knocked unconscious, got her to the ER, and they Found out that she's got a couple of brain bleeds and a, a skull fracture. And we need to really hold her up in prayer. Also, Brother Ken, her husband, and that God would be with her. So I want us to go to the Lord in prayer, especially for Lori Anderson, that God would touch her and minister to her. And then we'll get right into our scriptures. Let's all bow for prayer. Our Heavenly Fathers, we come before you, Lord. We thank you for being so kind and gracious to us. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity and, Lord, the privilege to be able to come and 
just speak to you, Lord, at your throne. Lord, as we come to that throne of grace, Lord, we're asking you, Lord, on behalf of Lori Anderson, would you please be with her? Give the doctors the wisdom that they need, Lord, to do what's right for her, Lord, and to minister to her physically. And Lord, we pray that the healing hands of Jesus Christ, Lord, would touch her. And Lord, minister to her. We pray for her family. We pray for Ken, her husband. God, be with him and strengthening, Lord, and comfort his heart. Lord, that's his, his wife that's laying there. So, Lord, we're asking you, Lord, to please touch her. Lord, we pray for Sister Megan and all her family that, Lord, you please be with them and comfort Sister Megan, Lord, and all the family involved. And Lord, we sure do appreciate, Lord, you always being there. You've never, as the songs have been, been said and sung all morning, Lord, you've never failed us. You've always been faithful. And Lord, we're looking to your faithfulness now on behalf of Laurie Anderson that you please touch her now. And Lord, we just want to tell you that we love you. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Look in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 20. I've got three passages of Scripture that I want you to look at with me this morning. Deuteronomy chapter 20, Deuteronomy 22, and then Joshua chapter 24. That's Deuteronomy 20, Deuteronomy 22, and then Joshua 24. And then once we read this, uh, we've already prayed, we'll go right into the, the message and the thoughts for the morning. We're, we're continuing and this will be the last uh, of these messages in this series on a growing love of a marriage. And I pray that it's been a help and an encouragement to you. But Deuteronomy chapter 20, just one verse of scripture there. It says in verse number 5, it said, And the officers shall speak unto the people, saying, What man is there that hath built a new house and hath not dedicated it? Let him go and return to his house, lest he die in the battle and another man dedicate it. Notice there he's talking to them about a dedicated house. In verse chapter 22, chapter 22, verse number 8. Deuteronomy 22, verse number 8 says it like this. When thou buildest a new house, then thou shalt make a battlement for thy roof. That thou bring not blood upon thine house if any man fall from thence. He's talking about a defensive house. A dedicated house, a defensive house. Now let's look at uh, Joshua chapter 24. Verse number 15 and then we'll, we'll be seated and go right into our message. Of course this is at the end of the book of Joshua. You know Joshua has led them into the promised land. They've inherited all their the promised land. That's why it's called the promised land. <clears throat> but anyway. Well, y'all tight this morning. <laughs> Joshua 24 and verse number 15. Word of God reads like this. And if it seemed, just Joshua speaking, and if it seemed evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the god of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That is a decided house. A dedicated house, a defensive house, and a decided house. You can be seated this morning. As I said, we're continuing and going to wind up our series today on a growing love in a marriage. And uh, just some principles that I sat down and wrote out one day. And the Lord just spoke to my heart to enlarge upon each thought and, uh, and make a, a series of sermons out of those thoughts. Uh, we've been, Deb and I have been married now for several years. We've been married for, by the way, today is Terry and Bobby's anniversary, 46 years. Amen. Today. Can you imagine that? Only Jesus. 
Amen. <laughs> okay. But Deb and I have been married the same length of time, 46 years, and down through the years I've had a lot of people ask me, and I've done a lot of marriage counseling on uh, people get in a little tight spot in their homes or marriages, and they come to us wanting us to counsel with them. And, uh, and these are just some principles that I've learned down through the years of how to help your love to grow as it should to be proactive in your marriage, your relationship with your spouse. We've already looked at and considered that, number one, we both, the husband and wife, should stay in love with Jesus. That's the foundation of any home is Jesus Christ being the Savior of the husband, Jesus Christ being the Savior of the wife, and them staying in love with Jesus. And uh, unless you have that kind of relationship with him, your relationship with your spouse is going to titter and totter. It's going it's to suffer down through the years. Then we looked at this, stay committed to having a great and godly marriage. We looked in Colossians chapter 3 in that passage where he started out and he said, set your affection on things above. In other words, he's telling us to shoot for the highest you can shoot for. And so we use that principle of, of setting the standard or setting a determination that we will have a great and godly marriage. Last, last time we were in this thought, we said, uh, stay thankful for each other. And we looked at that thought and considered that aspect of a, a growing love in a marriage that we need to be able to stay thankful for each other. But now this morning we're going to, we've used these three passages of scripture because I've got three thoughts that I want to conclude this with on this series and, and try to help us all to understand that the value and the interest that God has in your marriage. He's interested in your home. He's interested in your marriage, your relationship with your spouse. And by the way, he knows what it is. He knows the truth of it. He knows whether it's good or bad. He knows everything that goes on in any home. And Jesus Christ is interested in your marriage. Moses, we were looked in Matthew or Deuteronomy 20 and 22. Moses is coming to the end of his time with the nation of Israel. He knows that he's not going to be the one to lead them into the promised land. And Moses is rehearsing some things with them. But in his, in his uh, dialogue with them, he, he tells them, he says, listen, there's, there's two things that you need to understand about a home. He said, number one, he said, you need to dedicate your home. Uh, that, that word dedication means, it means to have a devoted to a task or a purpose. A home, a marriage should have a purpose behind it. And that purpose is to glorify God and to show this world that keeping Jesus in a marriage does work. Can I get an amen right there? But then he goes on in chapter 22. He said, not only should you have a dedicated home, you should have a defended home. And there are a lot of things against the marriage today. There's a lot of things that's going on in our world that are designed by Satan himself to try to destroy and devalue the relationship of a marriage. God puts a high esteem upon a marriage, but the world just drags it through the mud and tries to make anything out of it that they can. I want to mention just a few of those things that are fighting against our homes, against our families, against our, against our marriages. The media and entertainment world is against the home. They are. They're anti. They preach and show their anti-Christian values perversion is elevated, pornography is in the home and drugs and drinking and immorality, and that's all on TV. I'm talking about just the commercials. 
You can't even watch TV nowadays without just getting your, your mind and your eye gates flooded with pornography today. <clears throat> the media, entertainment world is against our homes. The liberal divorce laws are against our homes. Uh, you see uh, billboards, 399 uncontested divorce. And the thought that they're portraying to everybody, if it don't work out, just get a divorce. We'll help you with it. And I, I look for the government wanting to pay for it with our money. But then, then uh, the LGBTQIA+, any other letters they're going to come up with, they're against the home. That movement is against the family. It is against morality. And uh, I want to I tell you something that I just learned this past week. It had already passed through Congress, but now is now passed through the Senate. And our president, and I have to call him that, our president said if it passed the Senate, he would sign it. But they just had the Marriage Equality Act in the Senate, which is it, 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 it's very deceptive the way that they term certain legislation, the Marriage Equality Act. And what they uh, did with that act, what it basically said was any kind of marriage, including homosexual marriage, is now legal nationwide. And our Senate, they signed it and they passed it. And it's going to be a law of the land. But right before they voted and passed that law. They called Dr. Barry Black up to the podium. He is the chaplain of the Senate, and every time they meet, they, they have opening prayer from this paid-for chaplain by our Senate. And they wanted him to pray over what they were about to do. And this was his prayer. He said, he said, Lord, give us the grace to stay on the road of victorious and godly living. And then they passed the Marriage Equality Act. Hypocrites. God ain't no more interested in that prayer that he prayed because it's, he knows it's just drawing nigh with the lips, but their hearts are far from him. The abortion laws. I found that another interesting thing. Y'all remember 2020 when we could not go anywhere? Did you know, you know what was the leading cause of death in 2020? Worldwide, worldwide, not just America, but worldwide, abortion. There was more people aborted, more babies aborted in 2020 than any other time. And abortion laws are against the family and the home. But I, I, I believe this. I believe we need more voices in our culture, in our society, which will articulate the value of a marriage today. We need to bring back some sort of sanity in our world. We've lost, we've lost common sense. Nothing makes sense anymore. If it's, if it's weird, if it's perverted, this world's for it. They'll support it. They'll back it. They'll money it. They'll do anything to elevate perversion today. And we need some kind of sanity back in our homes today. People are fighting in politics. There's fighting in, among nations. People are fighting in the streets. They're fighting on the roads. They're fighting. People are just fighting just to be fighting. But one place that we should be able to go to and escape the rage of this maddened world is our homes. We should be able to enjoy our homes. We should be able to enjoy our marriages, our relationships with our spouses. Moses said you need to dedicate your home. Moses went on to say that you need to be defensive in your home. Against all these things that try to attack our home. But you know Joshua was the one that actually took them into the promised land. 
They had inherited all the land that God had promised them. Every tribe got a certain portion, a certain tract of land. And Joshua stands there at his final chapter recorded for us in the life of the nation of Israel. And he says this, he says, If it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, then you've got a choice to make. Some people think, well, if I just decide not to live for Jesus, uh, I've not made any kind of decision. I can just float through. No, when you decide not to live for Jesus Christ, you're making a choice. And Joshua said, you've got a decision to make. You've got, you need to understand this. You either need to serve the gods which were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites which we're living in now. He said, but I want you to understand this. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, this is Joshua speaking. This is the man of the home speaking. And by the way, men, that should be the decision of every man of every home. It's not the woman's position. It is the man's position as the head of the wife to make that, that decision for that home. As I've decided my family is going to serve Jesus Christ. That's why he tells the women to submit. It's not up to the woman. It shouldn't be up to the woman, even though so many women. Why? Because we're losing the value of a manhood today. But that decided home should be decided by and maintained by the head of that home, which is the man. It's the man's position. Years ago, uh, when me and Deb first got married, neither one of us was saved. And I've told this before, and I'm going to tell it again. But neither one of us were saved. And six months into our marriage life, I decided one Sunday morning I wasn't going back to church. I started out with one Sunday. And that particular Sunday, I told her, I said, I'm not going today. She said, why? And I said, I'm just not going and so she didn't want the church to think we were having marital problems only six months into it. So she didn't go. And I, I purposefully drug her and our marriage and our relationship out of church. And we need to, we need to understand this, that the husband has been placed as the head of the wife to make a decision to live for Jesus Christ in that home. And we need to understand this, that when we start taking our homes and our hearts out of church, we're destroying and doing damage to our homes. A decision's got to be made. And it's got to be a determined decision. It's got to be maintained throughout the years because I promise you this, and I believe everybody in this room could testify to this statement. Satan will battle you to get out of church and to, and, to, and to quit living for Jesus Christ. He'll fight your family on that issue. He'll fight you through the kids. He'll fight you through all kind of things. But he will fight your marriage to try to destroy it in your relationship with Jesus Christ. We've looked at those things that I've mentioned already, but I want to say the fourth thing that we need to understand about, about having a godly home, about having been able to survive all the attacks that are against our homes. We need to stay open and honest with each other. Spouses had better learn this, that we've got to, we've got to stay open and honest with our spouses. And we've got a lot that can be hidden today. The internet. Our phones. Our browsing history. There's a lot that can be hid today. And Satan is using this new culture of, of internet surfing, they call it. And being able to get on there in the prophecy of your time. And look at anything worldwide. 
Satan has used that to destroy many homes today. But we need to, as spouses together, we need to stay honest and open with each other. I watched a video the other day. It was kind of funny. <laughs> I thought, Lord, that's, that's mine and Kim Dinsmore's story. Husband came home one day in this video, uh, and the wife was sitting on the couch. She had her phone, and she was looking at the phone and everything and just engaged in her phone. The husband came home, and he walked up to her, and he said, I want to see your phone. She said, okay. He said, I want, I want to look at all the calls you've made today. She said, okay, there it is. And she handed it to him. He was standing there holding the phone. He said, well, I, I want to look at all the text you've had today. She said, they're right there. Go ahead. I want to look at all the internet history that you've looked at today. She said, fine. Then he said, well, I want to look at everything you've been doing on Facebook. She said, it's right there. Go ahead. Then he said this, he said, well, what I really want to look at is your Amazon account. She said, no, 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 no. Give, give, please give me my phone back. I thought, you know, we, there's all, all kind of ways to hide things today. And it's so true that the Satan tempts us to be secretive with things, and, and especially when you're doing things that aren't proper and godly. And he attempts, even our young kids have learned how to manipulate the, the internet and the things, the devices that they've got to be able to look at things that they should not be looking at and things that will one day hurt their lives. But we need to be open and honest with our spouses about all of that we do. Whenever, can I say it like this, whenever our trust is broken in a relationship of man and wife. That's a hard thing to gain back. Matter of fact, it'll take years. And I've seen it to never happen. It'll take years to ever gain that trust back within a relationship whenever, whenever the, the trust is broken. It needs to be a decided home. It needs to be a dedicated home. It needs to be a defensive home and we need to learn this we need to learn to stay open and honest with each other there's a there's with all of our new technology and everything there's a lot that's going on and we've come up with a lot of new words that have been generated because of the newness of our age and all that we've got the electronics of our age and all just create a lot i read an article one time that there was a the, the article was a lead question and it was in bold print. It says, are you fubbing your wife? And I looked at that and I thought, what is that? And I went into the article and they put, took the word phone and the word snub and they put them together and created the word fubbing. And in that word, what they're saying is you're snubbing your spouse with your device, your phone. Your... And you know, I, I've thought about that and I, I've purposefully noted as we, Deb and I, go out, I've purposely noted the people sitting at a table, maybe at a dinner table, we're out eating somewhere, and I purposely just looked around the room to see, and there's husbands and wives and kids and every one of them on their phone and engaged, so engaged, they're not communicating. And we, the phone was created to communicate. And we're destroying the ability to, to communicate with technology. The phone, the cell phone was supposedly created to bring us together and it has divided us to where husbands and wives snub each other with their electronics. They fub each other, if you will, with this new word that's been created. And can I say it like this? Husbands, when you snub your wife through your electronics, I promise you this, there'll be somebody else to talk to her. Well, we're, we're afraid to say anything right there, aren't we? Because we're guilty. We, 
Wives, when you snub your husband, there'll be somebody else to talk to him. Satan is, how do you think Eve fell in the garden? Communication. Satan walked up and just started talking to her. Hey, how about what God tell you? And she partially and miscorrectly quoted what God had said. He just got to talking to her. How do you think these little girls and these little boys are getting in trouble on the internet and these sexual predators are luring them into relationships? They're doing it through communication. And when we're not communicating with our husbands or our wives, we're doing damage to our relationship. (laughs) I'm preaching to me right here. And I'm trying to get better at it. And I've always said it's because I've got a million things going on in my mind all at one time. Sometimes I've got so much loaded in my mind, I, I will not come out of my, my office on Sunday mornings until about time so, because people are hitting me every which side. Hey, this, hey, that, this, this, that, that. And, and I've got all this other stuff. And to be honest with you, what, what they tell me, I partially hear, I may not even hear it at all. And I'm bad like that with my wife. I don't listen to her as I should. (laughs) We were joking around with each other the other day. uh, I think it was yesterday. And we were just cutting up. And I said, look at me in my eyes. I said, I'm going to tell you this one time and one time only. And I told her what I wanted to tell her. She said, look at me in my eyes. She said, I'm going to tell you one time and one time only. And then she had to, she had to digress and she had to go on. And on. You're bad at this, John. You don't ever listen to me. You know how women are. Come on, men, you say amen. And then she went in and she... Oh, she brought up the past. <laughs> and we were just kidding with one another. We fought that night. <laughs> no, we did. But that, that thing of communication and being honest and open with each other is so very important in any relationship. Your wife, your husband should be your very best friend. You should want to be around them more than anybody else in the world. And can I say it like this, that it's not your career, it is not your job, it is not your children, it is not your, your game that you got. That are not the most important things in life. The most important thing in your life outside of Jesus Christ is your spouse. And we need to devote time and attention to them. And we need to stay open and honest with them while we're communicating with them. Uh, well, we having a good time on this one, ain't we? Oh, Lord. We need to be fair with each other. How would you like for your spouse to treat you the way you're treating them? I mean, it's a reciprocal world. It's, we, we, look, we look at things only through our eyes, but stop just for a moment. How would you enjoy if your spouse treated you the way that they're treating, you're treating them? And see, we've got to learn to be fair with each other. And, and in this communication, we've got to understand, we've got not only should the husband learn to listen and look and and, and long for his wife, so should the wife. She should learn to live and long for her husband. And if you don't attend to those kind of things, your marriage is going to wane. Your love in your marriage is not going to be all that it should be. And I want to say this, my second point in this last thought. If your love is ever going to flourish and be what it should be, between husband and wife. Stay faithful to church. 
I am not apologizing for that statement. Stay faithful to church. Down through the years in counseling sessions that I've done, I'll meet with somebody and, and honest, I'm sitting there thinking, why do you want to meet with me when I just preached on this this past Sunday? You could have heard it. People, here, here's what happens. A couple gets at odds with one another. And there's a verse of scripture I want all of us to memorize. And it's, all, it's been something that when I memorized this 13, uh, <laughs> uh, several years ago, but it's out of Proverbs 13. And it says this, Pride goeth before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Pride goeth before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Every time that Deb and I have ever gotten in any kind of issue, there's pride there. It's either pride on my part, pride on her part, or both parts. And whenever, whenever I've seen married couples get at odds with one another, you know what one of them will do? Well, I ain't going to church. Why do they always pick on church? The most important person you need in your life at times like that is Jesus Christ and His church. Quit going to church is not going to solve the problem. It's going to make the problem bigger. It's going to hurt the marriage relationship. I've seen it down through the years. A husband and a wife, they'll get into church. They may get saved. We've had that happen many times here. They get in church. They start enjoying the services. They even get involved in church activities and doing things around the church. Then one member of that couple maybe gets offended. Or maybe gets there. Who in here has not been offended in church? It's called church. <laughs> that's what that's called. That's called life. We all get offended. How many of you have ever been offended at work? I was filling up my car one time back whenever you had gas attendance. They, hey, young kids, there really was a time when you went and pump, you didn't have to pump your own gas. There really was a time like that in America. There re, hey, did you, we had, to, we had it really bad in, in early, when I was a young kid. Did you kids know that I actually had to get off the couch and walk across the room to change the channel? There's no telling how many miles I put in for my daddy and my mama changing channels. It really was rough back in them days. <laughs> so somebody, one member of that relationship gets offended. They may even get offended between each other. And then one of them says, well, I'm not going to church. And they use some lame excuse. And all excuses are lame. Reasons are substance, excuses are just excuses. And they use some lame excuse of why they're not going to go today. I'm not going to go. I've got a headache or something. And every time that church time comes up, they've got some other issue. Well, this, well, that, this, that. It gets easier and easier and easier and easier. And I've seen this happen. I cannot tell you how many countless times one spouse decides to hold back. I'm not going. I ain't going. And before long, the other spouse is out also. It hurts a relationship. One of the places where you can get fed the Word of God is the church house. That's where your faith will grow. That's where your, your God will deal with you and you'll understand things even better. You see, so we're understanding things we wish we weren't understanding this morning. But we'll understand things at church that we won't get out there in the world. The world's not going to teach you stuff like this. The world's not going to stand up here like Brother John will or some other preacher and and preach the word of God to you and, and deal with issues of your marriage. You're not going to get that on Hallmark. You're not going to get that at Disney World. 
You'll get that at the church. And I want to say this. You need to learn to stay faithful to the church services. Then I want to say this lastly. We need to, let me, let me go over these. We need to stay in love with Jesus Christ. We need to stay committed to having a great marriage, a godly marriage. We need to stay thankful for each other. We need to stay open and honest with each other. We need to stay faithful to church. But finally, we need to ask God, God, would you help my love to grow for my spouse? Down through the years, it's not, it's not just a bit. Now, Debbie and I don't fuss. We don't fight. We very rarely, very rarely does it ever come up with a time that we're in a knockdown drag out and each of us at each other. That hardly ever happens, does it, Debbie? And, uh, but it's not always been just a bed of roses. We don't, you know, live on rose petals or anything like that. There have been some tough, tough things go on. And we've tried our best to fight them together. We don't try not to fight each other. We try to fight the battles together. And uh, there's been many times down through our, my Christian walk, my personal Christian walk, that I've had to slip along to the side, bow my knees to the Lord, and I'll ask him this. Lord, will you teach me how to love my wife the way I should? Because I can tell it just, it just ain't what it should be. I can tell that it's just not, I'm just not being the husband that I should be. And so I asked the Lord, Lord, will you teach me to love my wife the way I should? And how many times God has dealt with my heart about certain things and dealt with my heart about doing things or saying things or, or changing some things in my own life. That's a lot better than the woman trying to change you. And God deal with my heart about certain things and uh, I try my best to listen to him and try to apply it to my life. There have been many times I've asked the Lord, God, help me. Lord, help my love. If there's anybody that we should learn how to love from, it's Jesus Christ. What greater love could ever be exhibited or manifested than the love that Jesus Christ did when he hung on Calvary and died for me and died for you? What greater love could ever be manifested or exhibited than the love he shows us every day of our lives? And we're not even asking for it, but yet he loves us. And he loves us, and he loves us, and he loves us. I've said this in this course of messages, and I'm going to say it again. Since you come on to the piano, you know, it's real easy. It's real, and Debbie and I have talked about this. She said, if you'd just be the husband you're supposed to be, we wouldn't be having this problem. And I'll tell her, well, if you just be the wife you're supposed to be, I wouldn't be going through all this. Here's a thought. It'd be real easy for me to love her the way I should if she'd just be everything she ought to be. <laughs> Let's reverse that. It'd be real easy for her to submit to me if I'd just be the man God's called me to be. but that's fairy tale stuff. That just don't happen, does it? I'm not always the man God has called me to be. And Debbie's not always the wife that God has called her to be. There's, I'm saying all this for this. That's when your love will learn to grow. We're letting going just right. We're letting all that it should be when they're not what doing what you think. It's usually what we think they ought to be. But 
when they're not being and doing what they should be or do. That's when our love can grow and be purposeful in our lives. We started this series. Well, let me, let me say it like this. We've looked in this series. We've looked at Colossians 3. Set your affection on things above. Be determined to have a great and godly marriage. Set your affection on things above. We looked at Ecclesiastes. Remember that text where it said two are better than one? And it is true. Two are better than one. Can I get a witness right there? And we've looked at these passages today on a dedicated, a defensive, and a decided home. But do you remember where we started all this at? It was in the love, the passage about Jacob loving Rachel. And I want to read you what it said again. I wrote it down. And Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed unto him just a few days for the love he had for her. Wow. That pretty good loving, you know it. For that man to love her so much that those seven years he served just seemed like nothing. I'd say that God helped his love grow during those seven years. And then he had to serve seven more years. Fourteen years he had to serve all together just to have Rachel's hand in marriage. His love was growing. As we stand across the auditorium this morning, I was uh, talking to Brother Joe Chancey the other day, preacher friend of mine down in Waycross. And some of y'all know Brother Joe. And uh, Joe's quite the character. You'd never know he was like what I'm about to describe to you, 